You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, we are so excited to jump back into 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn there to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And welcome Siena Campus, Cypress Campus, downtown, those that are digital family joining us, radio ministry as well, and those at the Loop Campus. And we're excited as we're jumping into a new series talking about prayer, people, and promises. And so that's going to take us all the way into 1 Timothy chapter 4. But we're kicking off 1 Timothy chapter 2 today, and we're going to make it through the first seven verses. And this is a great place because Paul's going to give us a declaration. He's going to be a herald, he tells us. He's going to sound a trumpet. He's going to stand on the city walls and declare something. He's got the megaphone on the sidelines of the football game being able to scream out that Jesus Christ has come and he wants to make a difference in our lives. He wants to save souls. He wants to change hearts. And so Paul's going to declare that. You know, there's power when something is declared. It can be powerful like, wow, that's incredible. Or it can be declared and you go, whoa, what just happened at the same time? And thinking about that, I was thinking about different headlines that have happened, iconic headlines that have happened through the news on newspapers that when it it comes out, now our society now, we're much more click onto a screen or watch the TV or something like that. But there was a moment in which you couldn't find out the news until the newspaper hit the ground on your doorstep. There wasn't a time that you could get on the internet and you could see TV. It was, you waited for that newspaper as you were going to work. You'd pay your 10 cents and get your newspaper. Well, some headlines that were like, wow, type of declarations. Washington Post, Friday, August 9th, 1974, two words, Nixon resigns. New York Times, November 23rd, 1963, Kennedy is killed by a sniper. August 31st, in a British paper, 1997, Diana, dead. July 21st, 1969, this was in London. The first footstep as man walked on the moon. April 16th, 1912, people woke up to this horrible headline on the New York Times, Titanic sinks four hours after hitting iceberg. But then there's also great headlines that happen. There's challenging headlines that happen. And we can look and see challenging headlines that happen throughout the scripture that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can look at challenging headlines to look at that we've betrayed the Lord and we've gone our own different direction. But there's also great headlines that happen. And and Paul has a headline that he's gonna give us in just a bit of an amazing headline. So I want to end with this last headline from history. It was in the Philadelphia Inquirer, and it said this, one word on August 15th, 1945, it said, peace, peace. Isn't that an amazing headline? Think about that with World War II ending, peace. I want you to look up at the top left-hand corner of the Philadelphia Inquirer. It says in the top-hand corner, let us thank God, and it's a three-paragraph prayer right there on the headline place saying, thank you, Lord, for peace. Thank you for those that served. Peace is what's declared. So I tell you this, this is the word that Paul has got for us today. He's gonna declare peace. What's he gonna declare peace? Not peace with America and Europe, not uh, peace with the allied forces coming against uh, the other folks. It's not that kind of peace. It's peace in our hearts. That Jesus Christ is a mediator between God and man and he's ransomed us. 
and we can have peace with God. Now, before he gets there, he's going to take us through prayer because prayer is the stepping stone to get to peace, isn't it? And prayer is the place where we interact with God verbally and we're able to step into that. And prayer is the beginning of evangelism. Prayer is the beginning of sharing Christ with people and understanding that God wants to do something through us. So I want you to look, if you will, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 is what we're going to start out with. And then in verse, let's go, let's take it all the way to verse 5. Let's just read the whole thing. Verse 7. We'll go to verse 7. Here we go. And just get, it's that good. First of all, prayer is always priority. First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all of those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God, our Savior, peace, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, one uh, mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus, or the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. For this, I was appointed as a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. That's the scripture we're going to cover today. And the first thing that he begins with, put in your listening guide, is this. His first point is be a people who pray first be a people that pray first. Let me ask all of us in our hearts, where is prayer in our daily journey? Where is prayer when we're seeking out answers to problems? Where is prayer when we go through difficult times? Prayer should be the first thing. He's saying, first of all, primary, I want you to pray first. That's got to be the foundation of the whole thing. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, he's getting into what the worship service is to look like in the, in the town of Ephesus where, for, uh, where Timothy is. And so he's saying the first of all, now that doesn't mean that before you sing a song, you got to pray. That doesn't mean before you say hello to somebody, you got to pray. It means a primary priority of prayer. Here's what I like to do. I have three Ps. I start my day with this every single day. You can look at my calendar of where I write down in my little journal that I write down things to do. And I could show you for years, and I bet you wouldn't find many days, if any days, that I don't write down pray A1 with a little check mark. That it's the first thing that I do. Here's what I do. Pray, plan, proceed. Number one, I pray. Number two, I plan. Number three, I proceed. What do most of us do? We proceed. Then we say, well, that didn't work. And let me start planning. We say, dear Jesus, help me, right? Reverse the order and make prayer number one. So I have a prayer kneeler in my office. I get down and I pray on that prayer kneeler. I bring my, uh, my uh, journal into the prayer time. Then I write out my things to-do list from that. And I always write down A1 with a little box because A1 means getting done first. And then I check off that box and then I go into the rest of my day. I actually plan my day on my knees, on my prayer railer. And here's what I found. God has less for me to do than I have for me to do. Because my to-do list is based in my dysfunction and need for approval. His to-do list is based in his glory and the furtherance of his kingdom. And so he's not trying to stress me out by making me feel important by, oh, I got all these things to do. What do I really need to get done today? And then operate in that plan to move out in that to proceed. So pray, plan, proceed. Maybe you just need to do that at your office. The first thing you do is when you sit down at your desk, you pray and say, dear Lord, would you bless all my meetings today with clients and customers? God, would you open up doors that no man can shut? Would you close doors no man can open? Would you do your work Teachers, as you walk into that classroom, Lord, I pray for these kids. As you walk those halls, you just be a prayer walker through those halls of that school. 
Moms, when you wake up, dads, when you wake up, Lord, I'm praying for my kids today. See, all of us know we need to pray. We all want to pray, but we just don't know how to pray. And here's what I'd say. Just put it on a place that you're naturally doing something that you'll remember. If you don't pray much, pray every time you brush your teeth and just pray in your mind. You can't really do it talking, but you can do it like that. Pray when you wake up, pray when you go to bed, pray around a meal, pray at something that's symbolic like that and let God do something. He says, I want you to first of all pray and I urge you with petitions, verse one, petitions, prayers and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for who? Everyone, everyone. And then he goes further and he says, for kings and all of those in authority so that we may live, li- lead tranquil and quiet life, a tranquil and quiet life, quiet life, in all godliness and dignity. Prayer is communication with God. It's how we fight the good fight. It's connecting our heart and God's heart. So who do we pray for? We pray for everyone, everyone. He says, pray for your enemies. Pray for those you love. Pray for your kids. Pray for your parents. Pray for everyone, everyone. This word, everyone's gonna be all throughout this scripture. Pray for everyone. And secondly, I want you to specifically pray for kings and those who are in authority. Now, that is an incredible statement. Do you know why? Because at this time, Nero is the emperor of Rome. Nero's the emperor of Rome. And Nero is not even close to a Christian. He's a murderer. He's a wild man. He's a crazy man. He is terrible. And he's saying, I want you to pray even for Nero. He's famous for killing Christians. Now, when Paul is writing this, there is not a Christian leader on planet Earth. And do you get that? Not a Christian leader on planet Earth. And Paul's saying, I want you to pray for the kings and those who are in authority. Why? Because one person put it like this. I love this. To pray for people in authority because they are able to do the most good for the most people. Think about that. So why don't we pray for the president? because he's able to do the most good for the most people. Why do we pray for the governor? Because he's able to do the most good for the most people in our state. Why do we pray for the the mayor? Because he's able to do the most good for the most people in the city, the city council, the Congress, the state legislature, all those things. So they're able to make decisions that those decisions are able to be a blessing in an amazing way. Now, just give you one decision that was made when the decision was made of the heartbeat bill here in the state of Texas. In the next two months, 10,000 births happened that would not have happened. That's an amazing power to do good. And so we can see that all throughout different things. See, the state and the church have kind of reciprocal duties that we're to be praying for the state and praying for wisdom and asking God to do his work through the state. And the state is to then provide a place that we can live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So it, it's, it's a heart that is a connection. So here's how one commentator puts it. This church and state have reciprocal duties. The church is to pray for the state and be its conscience. The state is to protect the church so that it may be free to perform its duties. Each should acknowledge that the other have divine origin. Remember Romans 13, Each have divine origin and purpose. Each should help the other fulfill its God-given role. Remember, I spoke in front of city council after one of our hurricanes, and I said this, you don't want to go through a hurricane in Houston without the church. You don't want to go through a hurricane without the church in this city. The state can't do it. 
but we come to serve the people and to be able to do all that. And at the same time, the church needs the state. In a sense, we're, we, we're not trying to figure out how to put pipes and sewers and roads together. So to be able to pray and to say, God, do your work. He says, I want you to pray for the kings and those who are in authority. I remember going on a, a mission trip to a closed country. And when we would pray, we couldn't bow our heads. We couldn't close our eyes. We would just kind of pray in code. And we'd say, man, we just thank dad for this food that's around us right now. And it was an oppressive place where we had to be very careful about who we were as Christians to be able to share the gospel there. And we want to be able to be in a country in a place that the gospel is freely shared. So the result is that we're people that are praying first, that we're offering up prayers. So how do we do this? Give you just, just from my own heart, what do I do? How do I do this? I've got a few things. I've got that prayer needler in my office. It overlooks the beautiful view of I-10. I see I-10 every day as I pray. And then there's the, the chillers right there for the church. So when it's, when it's uh, in the wintertime, it looks like the church is on fire. So I see all this fog coming off the chillers, the air conditioning and heating units. And so I look at I-10, gorgeous place uh, that I get to look at each day. But it reminds me to pray for our city. Okay, so that's my city reminder right there. See, thousands of cars go by. It's great. No problem at all. Then I have this little Alamo here on this, this ledge that's, that's uh, right here, my prayer kneeler, and I have this little ledge. And so I've got this Alamo that one of our state uh, officials gave me, and, and it's just a prayer reminder to pray for our state. So that sits right there on my, on my prayer kneeler uh, little ledge that's there. Then I have a seal of the President of the United States, just a paperweight that I got. And I'm reminded to pray. So I pray for President Biden each day and lift him up. And so I pray. I pray for every administration since I've had this. I pray for this. Doesn't mean I agree with everything. And the more you disagree, the more you should pray. And so lifting up and saying, God, what is of you, let it go and let it be. And what's not of you, let it go down. And so I pray for the presidents there president that right there. I pray for who's your one. Do you remember when we did this months and months and months, years ago, we had one person that we chose that we would pray for. My person has still not come to Christ. <clears throat> so I'm still praying for him, still lifting him up. Just texting with him this week, still trying to build that relationship. Then I've got a, a globe here that it's this kind of neat little solar power globe and it just, it just spins around and around. And so I pray for our missionaries and I pray for God's work in the world. And it's just these things, I need reminders. I don't know if you're like that. I need reminders to pray for these things that the Bible tells me to pray for. I'm always gonna remember to pray for myself. I'll never forget that, right? But I want reminders to pray. So I have these visual reminders A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, was said to wake up in the morning, bow his knees, clutch a globe, and weep in prayer. Whew, I don't have that kind of heart. Do you? I need that kind of heart more. One man put it like this, ancient days ago, way back in the 1800s, let your heart yearn for your ungodly neighbors. Alas, there's but a step between them and death and hell. Many hundreds of diseases are waiting, ready to seize on them. If they die unregenerated, they will be lost forever. Have, your hearts of rock, have, have you hearts of rock that cannot pity men in such a case as this? Do you not care for their salvation as long as you are saved in your salvation? 
So we have these hearts that we've got to develop and we've got to churn and say, I want to pray. So here's the application for you. Pray before you blank. What is it? Pray before you go to work? Pray before you go to school? What would it be for you? Pray before you complain? What is it? That's your own little blank to fill out there. What would it be that you would say, I need to pray before I discipline my children. I need to pray before I I interact with my wife. I need to pray before I say that to my husband. I need to pray before. What, What is it that you need? Because Paul's calling us very clearly saying, I want you to pray for everyone. And I want you to pray for those who are in authority as well, because that authority, they have the ability to do the most good for the most people. And so let's pray that God does put the right men and women in office. Pray for the elections to come. Pray for those that are in office right now. And to be able to say, Lord, we need you. We need you. I'm telling you, that'll do a lot more than just watching TV and complaining. Letting God do something in you. Maybe you need to just get on online and order some of these things and say, you know what? I need some help with that. I bet there's something out there I can get and to be able to help me with that. Look, if you will, in verse three, this is good and it pleases God, our savior. Isn't that great? Prayer pleases God. You want to please God? I want to please God. This is good and pleases God, our savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Here's your next point. See God's heart and plan for everyone. See God's heart and plan for everyone. He has a plan and loves everyone. You remember the old little kids song we would sing in, in, in Sunday school and vacation Bible school, Jesus loves the children of the world, all the children of the world. They're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. He loves everyone, everyone. And so here is a moment that we have. God's heart is clear. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to come to Jesus. John chapter 14, verse six says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. So he wants every single person to come to Christ. Now, Romans nine was a challenge for those that, that, uh, that are, are not Calvinistic. And this is a, a challenge for those who do lean into limited atonement with Calvinism. Everyone in the world, Jesus is saying here, it pleases God who wants everyone to be saved is what Paul is telling us here. What a thought. God's heart is clear. And he's got not only the clarity of heart that everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth, he's got in verse five, the actual plan. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom from all, for all and a testimony at the proper time. God's plan was to send a mediator in between earth and in heaven, and his name was Jesus. You ever been in a lawsuit and you had to go to mediation? You get a third party in the middle, and you say, this group goes to this room, this group goes to this room, and we're going to work this out. And the mediator goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they're a bridge between the two to try to work out a middle ground and to mediate what's happening in the lawsuit. Jesus Christ came as the mediator from heaven to be able to make a connection with us in earth. So Cyprus, listen, and downtown in Siena as well, the mediator that's there is Jesus Christ. 
And let me give you an illustration. You maybe have seen it before, but I just want to give it to you as big and as bold as we can get it. Here's basically what's happened in our life is we've got heaven on one side and heaven on one side, there's the crown, there's the heavenly kingdom. And that's where we all want to be. That's where we all want to go. And it's as if this is this cliff that we can't get to. And we're trying to climb up it. One of our religion, trying to get up and our good works, trying to get up. Well, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to be the way it's going to do it. And then we've got us on the other side. So here's man on the other side. And we've got this chasm between us of how we're going to make it from earth to heaven. So we got our man. Let's see if I can. There we go. All right. Now, what am I going to do at this point? Am I going to jump across that? Can you jump into heaven? Can you build a good works bridge across to get to heaven? Can you make something happen to that way? Can you just somehow, the plate tectonics are going to bring it back together? How's it going to be? Genesis is split it open. How are we going to do that? Well, here's what's great. It says there in the scriptures that we have the man who can connect with humanity, Christ Jesus, the Savior from heaven. So the cross of Christ is the bridge in between heaven and earth. He's the mediator. He's the man, says in verse 5, Christ Jesus. Do you see it? It's a perfect combination. He came and lived on this earth so that he could die a sinless death. And in dying that death, he could make the statement, now you can come to me and I can forgive you and wash you clean because I've been a man just like you and I've lived a sinless life so you can trust in me. And I'm also the son of God from heaven. And so I am able to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. And so what do you have to do? Here's what you have to do is place your faith and trust in the man Christ Jesus. Step onto the cross. And then by stepping onto the cross, God can take you across the chasm into heaven because of your relationship with the man Christ Jesus. My friend, what that is, you know what that is? That's the headline that says, peace, world war, Greg is finished. I'm no longer at odds with God. I'm no longer in battle with God. I am walking with God because of a relationship with Jesus Christ, not by my works, but by his grace. So what's the application? The application is pray for God's caring heart to become your sharing heart. Pray for God's caring heart to become your sharing heart. What have we done so far? God wants us to be people of prayer. So we're praying for everyone, not just uh, authorities, but we're praying for everyone. Then we're gonna take that next step and we're gonna pray for the kings and those that are in authority. We don't get kings in our society, but we understand mayors, we understand governors, we understand councils, we understand Congress, we understand presidents, we understand all those sort of things. And we pray for that because we wanna have a society in which the gospel can go forth easily and clearly. Do you see it? And so we pray for those folks because they have the ability to do the most good for the most people and to have the gospel being open in society to share the truth of who Jesus Christ is. We need a mediator. Third and final point, we seek to share Jesus with everyone. I put that number one there so that we could be reminded, maybe those that were here a couple years ago when we did this initiative, who's your one? And even if you don't have this initiative card, if you've forgotten about that, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. And you're, who's your one right now? Who's one person that this year you could share Jesus Christ with? 
One person you work with, one person you live by, one person you go to school with, one person that, that you work with. What, what is it? One person that you could pray, that you could share Christ. Maybe it's somebody at the grocery store. Maybe it's somebody you always are at that checkout line. Maybe it's somebody in your family. I don't know who it is. But you begin praying for that one person. I've got my person's name written on the back of this card, and I pray for him uh, from my prayer kneeler right there and praying that God would do something in them. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. And to be able to pray, to seek to share with one person, with everyone as well. So it's a play on words, everyone and one as well. See, we want to pray. It says there, if you look into verse 7 here, it says that for this reason I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. So he's saying, I am going to share, I'm going to be a, a herald. And a herald means a person who proclaims important news publicly. So in those days, somebody would stand in a city square and they would read out an edict from the king kind of thing. And they'd declare it as a herald and be able to declare what's happening. Do you know in our church, we can, we can celebrate this at all campuses. Um, this is an amazing type thing. We have had gospel conversations just in our, our mission trips, um, our faith centers. This year, January through August, mission trips and faith centers, not even accounting that right now I'm declaring the gospel to thousands, not counting that. We have had 9,000 plus gospel conversations. Can we cheer for that as a church? Come on, let's cheer for that. 9,000 plus just in our faith centers and our, our missions that are happening. That's awesome. Then we're still declaring it in our worship service. Even now, declaring it to thousands. I'm telling you the gospel. I try to tell it to you every week. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And he died on the cross for me. And you could place your faith and trust in him to be your savior. And that chasm can be bridged by the cross. And then you come to Christ and the man, Christ Jesus, saves your soul, changes your life. So then you begin to say, oh God, you've done such a work in me. Oh, I'm praying for our country. I'm praying for our president. I'm praying for our governor. I'm praying, God, for the world. God, I'm praying for our local uh, uh, officials as I drive around the city of Houston, as I see the cars race by on I-10. Oh, God, but I'm praying for that person, that neighbor, that coworker, that family member. I'm praying, God, because you've done so much in me. God, how could you not use me? What could be a greater joy than using me to share you with somebody else? Oh, I got some errands to run. What could be a greater joy than sharing Jesus with somebody who needs to know Christ? Uh, I, I, I don't, that's not really my thing. What could be a greater joy than sharing Christ with somebody that you love? But we have a heart that would hold the globe in the morning and weep. We have a heart that realizes 10,000 diseases waiting at the doorstep for every one of us. And we've got a friend that doesn't know Jesus. And we get to be a shining light of witness to them of what it means to know Christ. And if you don't know him, I've got a headline for you. Peace. God has given peace through Jesus Christ. So what's your application? Your application is to pray for courage and opportunity to go this week. 
that you and I would pray for that peace and courage to share Christ this week. That's a great kickoff for 1 Timothy 2, isn't it? How awesome is that? He says, I I want you, first of all, I want you to be people of prayer. So that's why all campuses, before we even got to the message, we had application of prayer. How amazing is that? I want you to pray for kings and those who are in authority. And Timothy's like, there's not a Christian leader on planet earth, Paul. And Paul's like, that's exactly right. And that's why we're gonna pray. And I want you, when you pray, to know that this pleases God. And that pleasing of God is so that you would know that there's a mediator that has come to ransom you back into a relationship with God. And in that relationship with God, I want you to know there's peace. Headline, can we just put that newspaper up one more time? I just want you to see it. This is the headline of peace before God. And that peace to end the world war that has happened with the world and Christ, to allow that to be a place of peace. How incredible. So come, pray, let God use you. Do your work, his work through you. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you. Father, we pray for missionaries. We pray for our mayor, we pray for our governor, we pray for our president. And we come and we ask Jesus that anything that is of you would stand and stay. And any policy that's not of you would fall. And we pray, God, for your will to be done in the world, for your heart to shine. And Father, for you to use us to make a difference. you just in your heart, if you know Christ as Savior, thank God for peace with God. You're no longer at war because of Jesus being your Savior. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're not 100% sure, I'm going to ask that you would pray Pray and say, Jesus, forgive my sins. I'm asking you to be my Savior. I'm stepping onto that cross to come across the chasm. I'm asking Jesus to be my mediator and my ransom. Pray and say, Jesus, save my soul. Forgive my sins. Give me peace with God. Now third and finally, pray that God would use you to make a difference in someone's life for all of eternity. Ask him to just lay on your heart just one person that you could pray for their salvation and hopefully share with them about Jesus. Who's that one person? Ask God to give him, give him or her to you.
We love you, Lord. We thank you, God. So from the kings, Lord, the highest echelons of the government to the person on the street, Lord, we pray for everyone to know you as Savior and walk with you and honor you with their lives. Maybe you want to pray with somebody or for someone at the end of the service. You come down front at any campus. Pray at the steps or the rails. Or have someone greet you or join the church. But now let's respond to God, this great one who has declared peace over us and ended the war. In Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.